How has your 2020 year been? Well, 2020 seems to have had the mission to disappoint everybody in many ways, personally and globally, although we do have a lot of peace in the world right now, um, and it looks like the prospects of um, economic advancement is uh, looking okay either way. But, um, you know, regardless of the election currently and all that other stuff, um, you know, I, I know many people that have had a very challenging year. So I think this particular blog is going to be helpful, and it's called How POW Training Saved My Life. Two PowerPoints from a training session have stuck in my mind all these years later. The class was on surviving in a prisoner of war situation. Those two PowerPoints have helped me focus in times that I've felt like a prisoner of war in civilian life. No, I've not been captured and held behind enemy lines. No, I've not been a victim of POW torture. No, I don't have a military hero story to tell you. What I do have to offer can help you or someone you know in the inevitable challenges that come your way. Let's face it, life is tough. Many times it sucks the life right out of us and a military-grade strategy comes in handy once in a while. Always be planning your escape. Getting captured has to be stomach-churning and scary. What are you captured by? What is your POW experience? Is it addiction? Is it debt? Is it an awful job that you're stuck in? Point number one is always be planning your escape. This helps you occupy your mind. It's both practical and good mental health strategy. Hope is what keeps us alive. Planning an escape helps to build hope. Escape from your captors. It's a mentality. A soldier, or any militant, is not trained to have a defeated mentality. A soldier is never defeated until dead. Focus on your escape strategy. When do the guards walk by? What are their habits? Which guards seem the most incompetent or gullible? Who can you trust to help break out with you? When is the best time to break out? What part of the facility is most optimal for the exit strategy? Always be planning your escape. What is your exit strategy for escaping addiction? What is your exit strategy for escaping debt? What is your strategy for escaping to a better job? Focus on building and optimizing your strategy. What needs to happen to get you from point A to point B? Always be planning your escape. From the moment I joined Stevens Transport Company, I was planning my escape. The training for my commercial driver's license separated me from the love of my life for three months. It was unacceptable, and I swore it would never happen again. To date, it has not. I didn't get married to leave her for weeks on end. I don't know how soldiers do that. I was single when I was deployed to Afghanistan, and I would not prefer to do that as a married man. I promised Jenny all new furniture if she joined me over the road. 
As soon as possible, when our rent agreement was over, we put our belongings in storage and Jenny joined me. We lived as vagabonds over the road for almost a year. It was noteworthy and memorable, but uh, we wouldn't go back. We planned our escape from day one. Stevens Transport had a tanker division. It was five days a week, home every night or day, depending on your shift. I called the recruiter and talked about the requirements. I had to complete one year over the road before they would accept me into the oil field. Jenny and I also worked on getting a house close enough to one of the Stevens tanker yards. Fifteen months over the road wasn't hopeless because we were planning our escape. First, we both worked on building our credit to qualify for a mortgage. They didn't have a yard where we lived, so I had to find a house closer to where they did have a yard. I picked a town that was strategically located, so I was between two yards and we looked at a house there. We stopped to look at houses several times while passing through Texas. I submitted my application and I must have called the recruiter dozens of times to see what yard had an available slot. My truck lease ended the last day of orientation for my next job. I turned my truck in and started working the next Monday. We closed on a, a house about a month later. It was located 24 minutes from the yard I would work from. We left our apartment to go over the road and we left OTR to live in our first house. I've since made good on my promises and filled that house with new furniture. Focus on small wins. While you're planning your escape, you have to manage your morale. Hope is a powerful thing. Hope and change was literally a successful presidential campaign slogan for good reason. Hope and change are what you need when you are a POW as well. Focusing on small wins helps you in the meantime while you're planning for your big escape. Can you persuade a cook to give you more food? Can you gain a little favor with the prison guard? Can you get someone to bend the rules a little bit or look the other way on something? Can you conspire with another POW to sneak something behind the guard's back? Getting a small win can embolden you to gain confidence towards your end game. Likewise in life, while you're focusing on that long-term prize, what short-term wins can you take? Can you pay off the smallest debt first? That's one less payment you'll have to worry about every month. Can you push off your addiction one day? Can you find a win in your suboptimal job? Yes, you can. Find it and get a small win. Recently, when I lost a lot of work from rain and COVID and whatever other reasons that I had no control over, my income dropped 50% for the whole month. I was pretty freaked out. I was crushed. The previous six months were no cakewalk either. In a state that has a 30-year record of being the number one business-friendly environment in the U.S., I picked the one company that went bankrupt. That job I had so prudently planned for, called Stevens Tanker, tanked. 
I spent eight months on night shift to put in the time to get days. Then I spent another five or six months working through weekends for my turn to get Sundays off. I had a comfortable job that I enjoyed. I was almost certainly going to have to start all over again, working nights and weekends for more than a year. After searching many jobs, we found one in my own town, eight minutes away from my house. I quit Stevens Tanker Friday, went on an already scheduled vacation the next week while Stevens closed its doors on that Tuesday. I started my new job that very next week after my vacation. It was Monday through Friday, days and optional Saturdays. It seemed like a huge win, at least it did for a few months. Our town hardly ever gets rain, but since I joined a company which depends on it not raining, it rained at least one day every week for three months in a row. One day takes out most of the overtime pay, so it's a big loss. Two weeks in a row, I lost two days each week. A few times it wasn't raining, they just didn't have work for us. My checks were less than half what they would normally be. Those two weeks weren't even enough to cover my modest mortgage. Congress passed an emergency relief check, but even though I thought the IRS had my information, I had to wait for the relief to come in the mail almost two months later. I'm not going to pretend I didn't experience some PTSD. I did, but not from military experience. I lost a business in 2010 that I had worked nearly four years to build. After ending my business, I worked a temp job for three weeks and didn't get paid until three weeks after the temp job was over. That's six weeks with no income, even though I had worked for those three weeks. That delay got me evicted. Those feelings flooded back overwhelmingly these ten years later. Logically, I knew everything would probably be okay. $2,400 might arrive any day, next week, or thereafter. I could work full weeks for the rest of the year, for all I knew. But emotionally, I was crushed. I knew what it was like to lose everything, and I couldn't go through that again. It had been a great seven years of double-digit income increases. The year before, I had been making more in a week than I had in a month seven years before. Now it seemed everything was reversing quickly, and I had fallen back a long way. I had to focus on small wins to keep my morale up and my sanity intact. Since I had started the job, management was cracking down on the time haul drivers were spending at the plants. To be fair, it did look like some drivers were slacking. Management met once a month with us and updated us on our times. Their goal was that we spend an average of less than 10 minutes at any plant. That was all good and well, but optimistically we might deliver the materials of rock or sand in five minutes. Sometimes that computer GPS wouldn't change to depart delivery for several minutes after we had already left. Most places were about five loads a day. That left us 25 minutes for lunch. Taking a 30-minute lunch would absolutely put us over their 10-minute quota. That's under the best of circumstances. The field supervisor encouraged us to clock out for lunch up to an hour if we wanted to. Yeah, I don't think so, I thought. I'm not working a 12-hour shift just to clock out for lunch. 
I knew office people didn't have to clock out. I knew the mechanics didn't have to clock out. They had two hours of breaks in an 11-hour period. I was pretty sure I could get at least a half hour, which is all I really wanted. Since I'm a member of Legal Shield, I summoned my lawyer. The lawyer gave me a plan to get an hour if I wanted to, even though Texas law doesn't state that they have to give me a break. I had my endgame in place, but involving my lawyer was the nuclear option. I felt like this was a middle management problem that could be resolved within the company, even if I did have to go up the chain of command. The field supervisor told us that if we didn't like it, we could just take it up with HR. So while my truck was in the shop next to the office, I decided to pay HR a visit. Alma is at lunch right now. She won't be back for an hour, the receptionist told me. Well, that was funny. Alma got to take an hour off for lunch, worked less hours than I did, but I was expected to clock out even though I worked more four more hours. Somehow I didn't think Alma had to clock out for her lunch. The field supervisor's boss, our dispatch, invited me to the conference room after I had waited some time. I think he had left to talk to the HR person, but uh, I was never introduced to her. What can I help you with, he asked, as he sat in a side chair on the other end of the table. I, he looked disturbed and somewhat puzzled. I had been intercepted by Ray's boss. I saw this was a good sign. I would have come to you, but Ray told me to go to HR if I had any concerns about new quotas. I began, wanting to make sure he knew I wasn't intentionally going over his head. I didn't want to throw Ray under the bus either, but he forced my hand. Not only did he tell the group in the meeting, but he explicitly pointed to the building in our personal conversation and repeated that I should talk to HR if I had a problem with the quota. No, 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 you can take a 30-minute break every day for lunch. Every single day, he emphasized. You don't have to clock out for that. Okay, I, but I did the math, and there's no way we can make the quota if we take a 30-minute break, I explained. Don't worry about that. We'll adjust the quota if we need to, he assured me. All the other drivers complained about the quotas. All the drivers had problems with the expectations of uh, clocking out for lunch break, yet no one actually went to HR to call the bluff and change them on the unreasonable expe expectation. That is, no one except for me. The next meeting was a complete retreat from the last few months of quota pushing. All of us were instructed that we could take a 30-minute break every day and didn't have to clock out. Nearly all of the content of the me meeting was because of the actions I took to push back. Maybe it wasn't a small win after all. Maybe it was a big win. A big win I had fought for while struggling financially. More efficiency is all fine and dandy until I'm expected to clock out for lunch in a 12-hour shift. One twenty-fourth of my shift is not too much to ask... Besides that, efficiency wasn't helping me any as they cut me short week after week. We were caught up on materials because of efficiency. We had plenty of efficiency. The least they could do is give us 4% of the shift as a lunch break. It wasn't too much to ask, and I got it. 
That small win was a big win for me and all other drivers. Small wins can include spraying the weeds in your lawn, rearranging the living room, going to sleep earlier, exercising, or even waxing your car. Preferably, do something you will respect yourself for, and you can even reward yourself modestly afterwards. These small wins can be a real encourager and help build momentum to bigger things. What small win can you focus on while you work and plan your big end game? What is something you can accomplish today that is not too big but not too small? Thanks for listening, and I apologize. My reading skills uh, could be improved. So it seems like when I can read really well, my voice is not so good. But then when my voice is really good, usually on a Saturday, my reading sucks. So I'm working on improving that, and uh, thank you for your patience.